Full 10 Yards Podcast. Yes, welcome in everyone. This is the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Timothy Lambermonk, here with you. Happy Monday to each and every one of you. Week 4 is almost in the books. Uh, changing up here on a Monday, as you can tell, it's, it's not Wednesday. Uh, we, we do not deceive you. Uh, but yeah, we, we figured... After a bit of a chat, we figured we'll move a couple of doors down to a Monday, um, just obviously whilst the, the week four action or the weekend's action is fresh in your mind. Um, so, yeah, if, kind of on a Wednesday, this kind of loses its traction a little bit and everyone doesn't care kind of what happens last weekend. Um, and everyone's kind of looking forward to Thursday Night Football already. So, yeah, a bit of a change of scenery on a Monday. So, uh, we, But the usual suspects are here. So we're going to welcome the boys in to the huddle. Lawrence and Sean, who had, uh, should we say, differing uh, results <laughs> results on Sunday. Uh, Lawrence, you at the... Obviously See, you were happy at the the introduction, of Dwayne Haskins. It was <laughs> it was it was a joyous occasion for about two minutes. Yeah, and <laughs> and then it kind of just went pear shaped. So I'm I'm glad he he's got some real NFL game experience, but that was a disaster mm. for his debut. Mm. Yeah, and uh, Sean, obviously, a uh, big game in the division on, on Sunday. Um, one of the best performances. I, I chatted to you during the game, uh, obviously, whilst they were winning, but uh, you, you called it one of the best uh, performances that you've seen for, for a while. Yeah, I think I've probably watched every game um, over the last 10 years, regardless of date, time, etc. And uh, it was probably, I would say, the most complete performance and certainly the the best result um, so absolutely thrilled with it and I know we're going to talk about that coming up so I won't go into too much detail but safe to say I had a very enjoyable Sunday evening mm, Absolutely yeah I stayed up to the early hours um, to watch I'm not quite sure what word I'm going to call it yet but I will say we'll get to that later as well so I've got a couple of minutes there to think of a word for the Dallas game uh, but yeah we're going to give you a run through some of the big games over the weekend uh, maybe touched on some of the other ones as well but uh, yeah, we'll also have Jason Garrett Corner here with us on the Monday podcast. A bit later on in the week, we'll give a look ahead to week five. Obviously, London Games as well, just around the corner. Uh, that is, of course, if you get your tickets, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? Um, <laughs> I'm not quite sure you want to go and be watching Chase Daniel, but hey, he might be an upgrade on Mitch Trubisky. Uh, but considering that, Lawrence, it depends if you've even got a bloody ticket, doesn't it? Yeah, it's shocking. I mean, I've, I've been going to the games since... Well, I've been going to NFL games at Wembley since 1988. So my, my first game was the um, Dolphins against the 49ers um, with Montana and Marino. Um, but ever since they came back, you know, with, with full spirits from 2007, I've always had my ticket, always had my ticket in advance. Mm. So to then find out today that I might have to have the luxury of printing it off myself. <laughs> luxury. Um, yeah, they, they, they sold it as if it was, I think it was doing like it. at your own convenience yeah, the phrase doing, used. Doing us a favour. And it's like, it's completely inconvenient yeah. to, to be forced to print my ticket out, which I love to keep as a little souvenir. Yeah. Now I'm going to have a piece of A4 paper yeah, um, as my souvenir, which is just awful, awful. Yeah, yeah and I must admit, I've got all my uh, all my old ticket stubs uh, in a box downstairs uh, in, the, in the cupboard somewhere with all my all my NFL International Series memorabilia. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it's quite interesting. It's an interesting point, really, because, you know, at time of purchase of, of the tickets and the rest of it, you pay for postage and you pay for... Yeah, whatever. Stand, standard delivery, recorded delivery. It'd be interesting to see what they do. And as I say, it'd be interesting to see if they try and make a point of it and say, no, yeah, we refund it to the card it was paid on, or if they try and sweep that one under the carpet. Or, <laughs> um, yeah, it'd be quite an interesting one to see. Because as I say, it's only three quid, but you think, what, 80, 60, 60 to 70,000 people on average over the four games, that's, uh, that's a bit of money. A bit of money they're sending this, they're, they're getting there, so. Well, I, I think that's a, that's a campaign. That's a full 10 yards campaign, that is. Mm, yeah, but see, see I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do a bit of digging around and see, because um, there are some people obviously out there that do have the tickets. Um, so, yeah, well done to you. You uh, feel like you've, they've actually won the raffle, really, to be quite honest. And, uh, yeah, so uh, everyone everyone looking forward to, to next week's game uh, or this coming weekend's game. And I suppose it is, um, yeah, the fingers, the nails are being bought. It's quite funny, actually, because uh, the tickets that I've bought for this week's game, I'm, I'm, I had to give to a friend because I can't go down south uh, for the game anymore. So he's obviously on, on tenterhook. So it'll be interesting to see uh, Race Against Time, that one. I might have to drive him down there myself. But in a, in a way, obviously, email would actually be quite convenient for him so because uh, I could just afford the email on. But, uh, yeah, best of luck to everyone. Uh, hopefully everyone gets their tickets. And, um, yeah, we all look forward to the same 
same the same farce uh, as as next year. But anyway, that's for that's for a bit later on. Um, yeah, okay. So a couple of actually before we get into week four games, a couple of tidbits to get through. Vontes Perfect, um, he's just a muppet, isn't he? Uh, suspended for the, for the year after the late hit on Jack Doyle in the Oakland uh, Indianapolis game. Uh, he's he's just that's just the the latest in a long history uh, of silly things that he's done. And Bradley Jubb, an edge edge uh, rusher for the Denver Broncos, is done for the year with an ACL, which is very bad news, uh, especially for Adam, who had a bit on him to have the most <laughs> most sacks in the year. Uh, but I think that one. Uh, was was dead in the water after week two, three when Shaquille Barrett's on eight or whatever he's on anyway. But um, yeah, there we go. Uh, any other any other other news tidbits for, for from you guys, Lawrence Sean? Yeah, um, um, Larry Fitzgerald um, uh, reaching one thousand three hundred and twenty six catches, surpassing Tony Gonzalez. Mm. I mean, I've just got one word for it, which is respect. Mm. I, I, I've just got to respect Larry Fitz. I mean, he's he's been on a team that. Okay, they have reached the Super Bowl, which, which looking back on it, is, is one of the biggest Super Bowl miracles of all time. And they deserve to win. They deserve to win that game. Mm. Um, but Larry Fitz has been an absolute true pro. You've got you know so many wide receivers that are divas, and Larry Fitz is the complete opposite of a diva. Mm. He's just gone about his business, set the example, not made a scene out of things, and look, look what's Look what that's turned out with. Mm. Yeah, it's actually it's, quite. It's quite epitome. The epitome of, of Larry Fitzgerald was when he actually broke the record. The the whole crowd was cheering, wasn't it? weren't they? And uh, he like didn't really care. He was just like get it, on and, and continue the drive because I think they were in hurry up hurry up up mode, weren't they? Yeah, he just ran back to the slot and he's just he was just like let's get on with it. He didn't even smile. He just kind of. Yeah, <clears throat> it was all business. So credit to the guy. Mm. Yeah, and am I, am I right in thinking as well? Uh, Frank Gore passed a milestone as well. Did he get to fifteen thousand rushing yards? Is that right? Fifteen k. Fifteen k. I mean, it was just for him to get another hundred yard game uh, at his age, and it was he was the only Bills running back to touch the ball. Uh, no, there was not. There wasn't even a backup running back no. for the whole game. Mm. Mm. Um, so the. The guy, he's, he, I, I don't know what he's made of, but it's its not from the planet Earth. He's yeah. hes hes from Krypton or something mm. to, to carry on like that. And still, and, and the amount of different teams, but he's still churning out the yards. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. No, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I suppose that's a good segue into into the games. Just a word of note, 11, 11 of 14 road teams won uh, in week four, which is uh, survivor pools being blown up everywhere. Uh, it's quite an unusual 11, 11 teams to win. Uh, on the road this week. Uh, but obviously, Melvin Gordon as well was a big one uh, prior to the Chargers game with Justin Jackson going down with an injury. But let's start uh, one of the games of the weekend, Kansas City uh, versus Detroit. Uh, quite a lot to unpack here, uh, Sean, in terms of decisions, challenges, plays, um, you know, all involved, you know, a couple of involving touchdowns. I suppose we have to start with the, the winning drive uh, from Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he accounted for, I think it was at 71 of the 78 yards on the drive, uh, including a big run on fourth and eight. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, Dar- Darrell Williams from the one-yard line, shoving it in with 20 seconds to go. But, Sean, I think it's fair to say that Detroit gave Kansas City all they could handle. And sh- is it is it right in saying that uh, Detroit should, really should have won this game? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we talked about the Lions a little bit in jest last week when we said there were more than, you know, the, the three and our undefeated teams. And we mm-hmm. said last week that the Lions hadn't gained an awful lot of respect. I think everyone will certainly now look at them and think this team, you know, is certainly up there in terms of being competitive in that, you know, what what is turned out to be a very competitive NFC North division. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, the... The, the game was, was very much back and forth. I, I had sort of predicted and, and probably got a little bit dragged into the hype of Mahomes playing indoors. And you know, he probably had one of his worst ever games. But if I can sign up for a quarterback that on his worst, you know, one of his worst games still throws for 315 yards, I would take that every single week. <laughs> um, he, he missed a few deep balls, which you don't normally see him do. Um, you know, he, he could have, you know, potentially had an awful lot more yards than he did. Um, you know, there was a, a few ones that he would love to have had back. But as you say, the Lions certainly gave the Chiefs everything um, that they could handle. Uh, the massive turning point in the game obviously came, you know, well before that end drive, which was the the fumble at the at the one yard line or the half a yard line. And 
fair play, I would say, here to the, the officiating crew. This was the same officiating crew that blew the Saints play dead a few weeks back and obviously got rightly um, a lot of abuse for doing so. You know, they could have let that play pan out and obviously the Saints would have, have, have walked into a touchdown. Uh, that, that's exactly what happened on Sunday. It mm. seemed a play that everyone just assumed was dead and all of a sudden, you know, Sean Breeland picks the ball up and I think everybody was just expecting a whistle. He, he pretty much walked into the end zone from 100 yards away. Nobody went with him. Yeah. Uh, so that was effectively a 14-point swing from the Lions, assumingly punching it in to obviously the Chiefs getting seven on the board. Mm. But fair play to the Lions and, and, and coming back to what I think they will gain some respect. That would have finished an awful lot of teams off. You know, we've seen the Chiefs, uh, you know, in some tight games. But generally speaking, when they when they get ahead, they then run away. That didn't happen in this game. The Lions fought back. They got themselves into the lead. Beautiful catch from Kenny Golladay um, with a few sec, you know, a few minutes remaining in regulation to give them the lead. But the thing I would say, and the Browns game had just finished at this time, so I actually watched the end of this game live. I've watched a lot of it back on Game Pass since, but I actually watched the end in live. And it might just be me, and I'll probably ask, ask this question of you two guys. I didn't think for a second that the Chiefs were not going to win that game. Mm. As soon as Mahomes got the ball, even on fourth and eight, there wasn't even a part of me that thought they weren't going to win that game. And the play that you mentioned there, Tim, yeah, the Lions locked everybody up in man coverage. Fair play. It was very good coverage across the board. If you actually watch that play, uh, there was no open receiver, but Mahomes recognised that and very quickly turned you know, what could have been a disaster into a 15-yard gain, new set of downs. And, and like I say, it was, it was almost inevitable that he was going to go down. Um, yeah. you know, so for me, the Chiefs march on. I think the Lions gained an awful lot of respect um, in terms of you know, the game that they put up. We, you know, we, we've said about a few teams, oh, look at who they've played, etc., etc. You look at what the Lions have just done there and they've taken what is certainly one of the favourites for the AFC, along with the Patriots, right to the limits. And like I say, you know, they, they've ultimately found a way. Um, you know, Mahomes, even on a bad day, had what a lot of players would class as a good day and, and the Chiefs are still looking very, very good. Um, Lawrence, I know you've got some views on it, mate. Yeah, it was funny, I think, it was, um, I think, my my favourite single play of the entire game came on the the the, the final drive, but it wasn't the um, it wasn't the scramble, the fourth down scramble. It was a catch by the lesser known Byron Pringle. Oh yeah, um, which was a it was a thirteen yard catch. It wasn't it wasn't to to win the game, but it was just the the. The, the catch was incredible and, and then kind of spinning around and keep staying on his feet to, to get a first down in the red zone. Um, I have to admit, I've never heard of the guy. had to look him up. So he's a second-year undrafted wide receiver who's kind of hung around. He's only had two catches this season. But that was a, that was a really, really, really big catch in a clutch moment where probably... No one was really thinking that he was going to be doing anything apart from trying to, you know, draw some coverage away from the from the star receivers. Mm. So I thought I thought that was a that was a particular favourite player of mine from the game. Mm. Um, I think Mahomes running. I mean, he you know six for fifty four. That you know he he he's you think of him as a, as mobile, but he doesn't tend to run a lot. So that was you know. Going over fifty yards on the ground was was quite impressive, um, and then just just giving again a bit of respect to the Lions. I think we, we've been through many many years of the Lions failing to have an established running game, and you know they've they've really hit gold with Carry On Johnson. Um, Twenty six carries last night, um, big 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 um, kind of workloads. Um, and again, another another hundred plus yards on the ground. I mean, this was this was a situation where the Lions couldn't, for love nor money, get a hundred yard back. And now, um, Kerry On's probably done it three or four times um, in the past couple of seasons. So, you know, it's in, it's very important to um, keep Matthew Stafford going 
with a with a running game and and carry on's proving that so just wanted to give him a shout out mm. yeah I, th- I think we ran this off but i just want to circle back to the fumble now you, you said you mentioned sean obviously there's the same officiating crew that, that blew the cam jordan uh, play dead as well and i, and I actually want to give kudos to, to those referees because they could have blown that play dead a, a couple of seconds beforehand because he was actually trying to reach back on, on the goal line and he was in in that pile for a long while and it was quite clear that he wasn't going to go anywhere but the fact, obviously, that he hadn't touched the ground and obviously he could still move his arms to try and, to try and move the ball um, and break the plane, if you like. Uh, there, was, there was a lot of seconds that expired there that they could have quite easily let that all, you know, pull it down. And you, you, know, you see sometimes when guys are at the bottom of piles and your defenders nonchalantly just knock the ball out and then just, you know, go and run off. Um, so I, I thought they did really well because I thought that, you know, the, the play had stopped for seconds and there just wasn't a whistle. Uh, or they, you know, they were just delayed in what they were doing. So, uh, I mean, fair play. And I say 14-point swing, obviously, a, a key moment uh, in the game. And then just one final note. I know, I know no one doubts uh, the, the talent and the ability of Patrick Mahomes, but I thought that especially that final drive kind of was the, the maturity that I think... Uh, every, you know, we haven't seen it in an abundance because he just turns up and turns the flare on, turns the jets on, and then it's good night. But in in the clutch moments, there's not been many times where he's been asked to to perform under pressure because they're blowing teams out left, right, and centre. But for that that final drive, uh, the maturity that he showed kind of just confirms not that he needed confirming, but confirms that he's he's kind of here to stay. He is the next big star, and he he can do it in in loads of different scenarios, not just um, you know blow guys away, but he can come back you know when when it, when it's clutch time. Uh, which is a big, a big litmus test, isn't it, for, for quarterbacks in this league? And say, for I know it's his third season, but it's essentially his second, isn't it? So uh, I just thought, you know, not that we needed confirmation, but Patrick Mahomes, uh, yeah, going to be here, going to be here to stay and give us loads of uh, highlight reels and water cooler moments, if you like, for for, for the years to come. So um, yeah, really enjoyed that game. It was a really good one. Uh, moving on to quite quite a strange game actually, um, Buffalo in, against New England. Uh, New England's getting uh, up early in this one, and you say Frank Gore obviously 100 yards against a you know, notoriously stingy defense uh, this season uh, as well. I'll get the sets out a bit later once I've got you two have your have your your five cents worth. Um, but yeah, the third quarter. How many how many chances did Buffalo want? Three uh, three three and outs uh, from from New England in the in the fourth quarter, but just uh, couldn't get it done, Sean. Yeah, and I, I think what we've learned from this game, if we didn't know already, again, Buffalo, another one of these sides that we talked about last week, how good were they with this 3 and our record moving in? I think what we know for sure now is this Buffalo defence is absolutely for real. Yeah. Um, there are certainly question marks offensively, and Josh Allen is one of those characters that, you know, he, he offers a threat in terms of his running ability. If you're asking him to beat teams with his arm, we know how big his arm is, how accurate he is, and how quickly he can process the field and make the right decisions is the question mark obviously you know hopefully that will develop over time you know, but obviously had two picks in this one you know leading into half time um and it could have been ugly you know i think you know oh. we were talking throughout sunday evening i think you pretty quickly early called that oh, this game's over and that was 13-0 and you know we all expected that new <laughs> yeah. england would just go and waltz away with yeah. this game i nearly got nearly got bitten by the uh, freezing cold takes there didn't i but it was absolutely it, it was right. was really it's, ugly uh, for josh allen wasn't it yeah First it, it was it was and don't get me wrong you know the patriots defense and belichick have done this to several quarterbacks so you know, let's not overreact to that. You know, it was it was the bad Josh Allen, if you like. Um, he's one of those guys that, you know, ultimately, he's in a really ideal scenario here. He needs a good defence for him to be able to go and win games. You're not going to expect Josh Allen to be putting up 30-plus points a week. You know, it's the kind of team or the kind of offence at the moment that if they can get by with a, a 17 to 24-point sort of week to week and the defence can keep them in games, they're going to be very, very competitive. Mm. And we certainly saw that. Um, you know, I think Brady's quarterback rating was its lowest it's been for, I believe I'm right in saying, 13 years. I could be I could be out on that, but it's certainly an awful long time since Brady has been that poor from a quarterback rating perspective. He, you know, he completed less than 50% of his passes, less than, well, certainly less than 200 yards. I think he was only just barely above 150 yards for the game. Um, you know, so this Bills defense is absolutely for real. Um, it, it speaks volumes, though, and I absolutely agree with what's been said um, up to this point about Frank Gore being a bit of a legendary back, and he, and he does churn it out week after week. 
it, it probably tells you all you need to know though when your best defensive player is that that player, that thirty six year old Frank Gore yeah. that's that's still churning out yards. I know Devon Singletree's obviously outside lined and, and you know they obviously got high hopes for him. Um, but obviously what Buffalo is going to need is a is a revamp offensively in terms of getting some weapons. John Brown has looked decent in limited time. Um, yeah, but again, you know, let, let's not underestimate the Patriots' defense here either. Mm. They are phenomenally good. Yeah. Uh, you know, they they conceded their first touchdown, if you like, from a, a, a sort of strict offensive perspective this week. Yeah. Um, so two very good defensive sides, and like you say, a very close game. I think similar to what I just said about Detroit, people question how good the Bills were. I think we've got to we've got to understand and realize that not every team in the league is going to go and score. 35, 40 points a game like the Chiefs potentially are going to and blow teams away. That doesn't make them a poor side. No. And, you know, there's two sides to the ball and, and defensively, particularly on this season, I have to say, you know, if I think back 12 months ago, the level of scoring seems to be down across the league. Mm. Defences seem to have an, an edge this year compared to previous years. Mm. And, you know, if you've got a competitive defence and the Bills prove that this weekend, I think they're going to be right there in playoff contention. So, a really entertaining game, although it was low scoring. Um, but like you say, I think you know the the key thing for me with, with regards to the Bills is can that defense keep going to make up for the shortcomings that Josh Allen's going to ultimately, unfortunately, provide. Yeah, and just just before I come to you, Lawrence, to, to, to get your thoughts, I just want to throw out all the stats on there about the defences. Uh, Josh Allen in the first half was 5 for five 17 for 60 yards uh, and two interceptions. Uh, but we've got the, the good Josh Allen in the, in the, in the touchdown drive uh, that the New England did give up. Uh, obviously, the long ending the longest streak to start a season by a defence to not allow a touchdown. But it was 6-on-6 six six on the touchdown drive uh, in the third quarter. Uh, but obviously, he left the, left the game with that hit by, uh, by Jonathan Jones. But yeah, I just wanted, I've got the stats here in front of me for uh, the Patriots' defensive rankings. And I know they've not played the greatest of teams. They've, well, they've played the Jets, the Dolphins, and, and all the rest of it as well. But yeah, points per game allowed, 6.8 first. Sacks, 18. Inter uh, interceptions, 10. Three and outs forced, 21. Yards per game, 243. Yards per drive, 19.1. They're all first uh, in the league, top ranked in the league. Uh, and then just rush yards per game, 61.3. Uh, obviously, again, test. To, to Frankie Gore, um, that's, sec that's second in the league, and pass yards per game 181.8, which is second in the league as well. So, yes, they're not played a lot, a lot, a lot of great teams, but uh, yeah, this is a this is a stingy defense. Uh, but yeah, but also kudos, obviously, to, on the other side to Levi Wallace, Shadavius White, and 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 Ed Oliver as well. Um, but yeah, obviously Matt Barkley. Uh, coming in, he's never led, never, never led a fourth quarter winning drive. So, uh, kind of the right was on the wall when he came into the game, and he's been in the he's been in the league for seven years, albeit not uh, not a full time starter. But Lawrence, your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I just want to. It's it's his credit to the Bills secondary. I think it's it's pretty much the most unheralded defensive unit in the NFL. So you got Tre'Davious White, Levi Wallace, Jordan Poyer, Mika Hyde. I think the four of them, we're, we're looking at um, possibly one to two all pros, um, two to three pro bowlers by the end of this, um, and and just making making Tom Brady, um, you know, completely humbled. Um, Patriots eleven first downs in the entire game. I mean, that just that just doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. You know, that's that's a quarter of, of dink and dunk football. Um, and for Tom Brady to be under under fifty percent is is just shocking. Mm. Um, and then you know with with James White, um, you know he 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 wasn't even getting the space. He he led the team in catches, eight catches. But you know it was it was just uh, it was just you know meagre, slim pickings um, on the day. Mm. Yeah, and I think that, I think that's epitomised by New England's um, tied most in the Belichick area, seven three and outs in the game as well. So yeah, um, but nonetheless, Patriots do what they always do; they win in the AFC. So they, they obviously improve to four and zero. Bills drop to three and one. Let's move on to another AFC, uh, another all AFC AFC North this time: Baltimore versus Cleveland. Uh, unique scoreline in this one, or scoreigami as we call it. Um, Sean, obviously, you are very. Uh, very high and bullish on on the performance itself. So, do you want to do you want to take this one away? Yeah, absolutely, mate. I think um, 
it's a bit of a rhetorical question here for me, which is, you know, did the real Cleveland Browns turn up or did the real Baltimore Ravens turn up? And I think the answer probably is a little bit of both. Um, the Ravens, for me, have been a team, probably the polar opposite to what I've talked about in terms of the Lions and the Bills, where we've, we've probably given them too much credit in terms of you look at the teams that they beat up on at the start of the season in the, in the Dolphins and the Cardinals. Um, you know, and there was a huge amount of hype about Lamar Jackson, and the last two weeks where he's come up against competent defences, he has really struggled. Very entertaining to watch. I'll, I'll say that as a Browns fan, you know, he's very dynamic. You worry like hell when he gets out on the edges and there were a few play-action fakes that, that filled the cameraman and all of a sudden Jackson's 10, 15 yards up the field. Um, but predominantly, my view watching the game was always, if we can just get this guy to throw, we've got every chance of winning this game. Um, and ultimately, when he was asked to throw, unfortunately, from a Ravens perspective, he, he just came up short. Mm. There were a few miscommunications. Um, the Cleveland secondary, although banged up, played extremely well, kept everything in front of them, didn't give up any of the big plays. You know, if you think back to week one against the Dolphins, every single um, Lamar Jackson highlight was essentially a 70, 80 yard touchdown to Marquise Brown. Uh, the Browns kept everything in front of them. Forced three turnovers, the first time Baltimore have turned the ball over all season. Um, but a you know a crucial fumble from from Ingram at a at a, at a time that the game was close, um, and then two later on interceptions. So it was really an all round good performance from the Browns. Mm. Mayfield looked a lot more comfortable in the pocket. Um, obviously, a point of influence I would suggest this week in terms of his preparation. Um, certainly climbed into the pocket, wasn't escaping. As we commented on last week, he extended plays. Jarvis Landry had a huge game. I think he was actually Jarvis Landry's career high in terms of receiving yards. Uh, he was excellent. Um, OBJ was a bit of a non-factor, and that tells you how good this performance was. Mm. Um, to be fair to Marlon Humphrey from the from the Ravens' point of view, he, he you know locked him down. At one point, there, was, there seemed to almost be a fight on the field between the two of them. Uh, we tried to get OBJ involved in the offence, throwing the ball. That was yeah. nearly a huge play, um, yeah. which which got broken up. Yeah. Um, but what OBJ does do, which doesn't get credit for, is he draws an awful lot of attention. So one of the big plays in the game was a 60-yard pass to Ricky Seals-Jones. Um, what a tight end he's, by the way. What a, what a free agent pickup that's turned out to be. Um, OBJ draws double coverage, a breakdown in the secondary, and, and Seals Jones has essentially got 60 yards of grass to run into. That's that's the OBJ effect that doesn't stow up, show up in the stats section, mm-hmm. um, but he, he certainly influenced the play. Um, you know, for me, I've said it for a few, for a few weeks now that if the Browns can get an all-round offensive performance, and that for me starts with Nick Chubb. Um, if they can get Nick Chubb going, this offense will get going, and Nick Chubb was nothing short of superb this weekend. Patrick touchdowns, one of them 88 yards away, which was, you know, a joy to behold. You know, I think he got up to something like 22 miles per hour. I'm not quite sure how these guys work this out, but apparently he was up at 22 miles per hour, yeah. um, just basically waltzing down the sideline. Um, so just just an absolute joy to watch, to be completely honest. It's so strange for me sitting on this side of that kind of result after being on the opposite side of it for so long. Um don't want to overreact because ultimately the Browns now need to put this together in consecutive weeks and back-to-back performances. And next week will be a big text against a 49ers team coming off a bye week. We'll touch more on that in the podcast later on in the week, I'm sure. Um, you know, But for this week and for this Sunday, great performance. Absolutely thrilled with what I saw. And hopefully that is more of a reflection of what we're likely to see week in and week out. It was certainly what the off-season hope was about. So let's hope they carry it on, mate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Nick, Nick Chubb would certainly get a speeding ticket if he was in a school zone, wouldn't he? Uh, with twenty-two miles an hour, um, if that's if the camera's working. Anyway, um, yeah, one, one, just another stat I just wanted to throw out there, just to, to show about the OBJ you were talking about. It's, it's only the second game in his career where he's not had a reception in the first half of a game. So, um, all right, he's not played every game because he's been injured for, for half of it anyway. But so uh, yeah, I thought it was an interesting stat, and again, again puts. Uh, when, when you're when you're forcing people like OBJ to throw a pass, it just shows you what kind of a good uh, good job job you are doing. Uh, Lawrence, any any thoughts on the on the Cleveland Browns game? No, I think I think again, Chubb looks looks like quality. Um, Got a motor, isn't he? I think I think you, I think Lamar Jackson. I think he's still you know he's still 
had a you know had a pretty decent game overall. Um, over sixty-five yards rushing, three passing touchdowns. Um, I think Mark Andrews, the um, Ravens' tight end, now in his second year, is is a star. Is an absolute star. I mean, he didn't have a massive game, but he he did have a touchdown, and I think he's he's becoming one of the top um, top two or three AFC tight ends. And I, I look forward to him, you know, getting near to you know near to sort of eight hundred, nine hundred yards this season, possibly. Mm. Okay, let's move over to the NFC East then. Um, not obviously one that many people have been watching, but uh, Lawrence, obviously one that you uh, you were glued on to. We mentioned obviously the introduction of Dwayne Haskins uh, when the Redskins fell to fourteen zero hole. What did, you, what did you make of the Haskins, obviously, in general? And obviously, the Redskins only managing to put three points on the board as well. But let's obviously have a, have a little uh, bit of a talk on Daniel Jones as well. But what did you, what did you make of the game? Didn't look ready. Um, Dwayne Haskins didn't look ready. I mean, surely the coaches would have said to him, look, we're going to be installing you somewhere along along the line near to half time if things aren't going well, if Case Keenum's not moving the ball which obviously didn't help um, that, you know, he, he just wasn't. He did, he looked, before Keenum got got yanked, he looked the worst that he had done. He, he'd been very serviceable, yeah. even though we'd lost all three games. He looked very serviceable up until um, up until this game. And then um, Haskins, I think he, he just had a bad situation to come into. It wasn't like, here's, here's a situation where you can kind of, come on and have a winning drive or, or anything. He, he, he just looked out of his depth. Mm. Um, he needs he needs more experience. He's going to get it. Um, I mean, he threw nine completions and three interceptions. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, not a good start. And then, and then I think the, the most horrendous statistic to come out of it was our leading receiver, the delightful Paul Richardson, Caught three passes for fourteen yards. Oh, lovely! Stretch that field. At, uh, you know, <laughs> at, at four four point seven a pop, and his longest longest catch in the day six yards. Bloody hell! So you know, this is this is this is just absolutely horrendous. I mean, I don't know where we go from here. Mm. I mean, we talk about older running backs. Um, I think Adrian Peterson um, is is past it now. I don't think he's gonna. I think he he somehow eked out a thousand yards last season, which was which is a, a minor miracle. This season he just has looked slow. He's looked like he's been running in treacle for the whole year, um, you know. And again, two and a half yards um, average um, on a, on eleven carries, not good enough. Um, even Chris Thompson, third down back, yeah, he had he had four catches, but. Um, you know, four rushes for him, four yards, just nothing, nothing going on at all. Mm. And um, what was kind of one of the worst things, one of, you know, if not the worst thing, no sacks. So we supposedly got a, a quality defensive line. No, we haven't. Mm. It's, you know, this this was just, this, you know, there's, I, I don't know what's the, the forerunner to before vanilla. We're, we're pre-vanilla, whatever that is. Pre-vanilla. Um yeah, and and the Giants, they they kind of eked eked it out. I think against against better opponents, they're going to struggle. I think Wayne Gorman had a had a good game filling in for for the injured Saquon. Oh, um, just about 120 yards on offense and a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. So if you if you like me and you kind of picked him up as a as a sort of waiver wire. Um, you, you probably got over twenty fantasy points this week. Um, Sterling Shepherd's looking half decent. Um, Evan Engram, who should have had more more catches than he did, looks okay. Um, and then the rest of the Giants' receiving core, you know, there's, there's no point even talking about them because no one's going to pick them up anywhere. No. Um, could you could you imagine and, and, could you imagine how many points Saquon Barkley would have got in this game if he was on the field? He, he would have got, you know, he would have had a, a Chubb-like game, I'm mm. sure. Mm. Absolutely positive he would have done that. Yeah. Um, and Daniel Jones, little bit back to earth. Um, First interception. Two in, yeah, two interceptions, um, the one touchdown. And just an average outing, 
Yeah. Um, it's all he needed, fifty yards, but kind of just just kept the ball moving. Yeah. I mean, you looked at Haskins; he wasn't moving the ball. We, you know, three and out all the time. Um, Daniel Jones kept that ball moving a little bit, and um, and, and Gorman just just about did enough to yeah. you know to get the W. Yeah. And it's interesting that the Giants now move to two and two. Tying up with the with the Eagles, who are two and two. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I think the only thing for me, if you're a Washington Redskins fan, I think is yeah, this Giants defense is not a well beat, so it's not okay. It's got some yeah, some interesting pieces, some good, some you know, a, a few bits on there. It's, it's far from a star-studded uh, lineup like you, do, you see at the Rams and all the rest of them. But um, yeah, the, the way they struggled uh, against that Giants defense uh, doesn't bode well. Uh, and I suppose we all know now why. Dwayne Haskins was the, you know, the, the coaching staff were hesitant to, to put Haskins in or confirm him as the starters earlier on in the season, uh, and even why they, they were thinking about putting Colt McCoy in instead of uh, in Dwayne Haskins. But you know he'll learn, he'll get there uh, eventually. Just going to take a bit longer, and I say behind uh, all the other skill, all the other players that he's got around him, it's going to it's just going to take a bit longer. But yeah, it's seem, seemingly a, a, a drag race now between you and the Dolphins to, to pick one. Are you, are you playing the Dolphins this year? I'm not sure, but we have the joy next week <laughs> of playing the Patriots. Oh, lovely! Who will be who will be not only annoyed that they they've kind of um, conceded a hundred yard running back, but they'll just they'll they'll just they're going to punish us. Mm. So um, you can look forward to. That. I think uh, a little bit of a preview for your kind of odds, um, you know, for your for the betting podcast. I think you know there's 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 got to be some. Um, Good odds that you can get mm. on a, on an absolute shellacking. Yeah, for sure. It'll certainly be an interesting line. I have to look out for that one. Uh, just before we move to the nine o'clock games or the latest slate of games, let's just have a quick brief, brief uh, brisk preview um, review of the scores. Tennessee go travel to Atlanta, get the win, twenty four to ten. Uh, Carolina uh, sixteen to ten winners in Houston. Uh, not not a surprising result, I say, but yeah, Carl Allen um, is, is certainly making the case there for Cam having an extended session session uh, on the bench there. So that's an interesting one. Oakland probably the surprising result of the week, thirty-one to twenty-four, got out to a big early lead there and never looked back in that one. The Chargers got kept, kept, took care of business uh, in Miami as well. Generally a, a slip-up game there uh, for the Chargers, but yeah, getting the the, the game done there by the, the comfortably by twenty points. So let's move on to the nine o'clock or the latest slate of games then. Let's start off uh, with the back, the, the, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to the Coliseum uh, and winning 55-40 in a shootout. Another game um, that has no, with a scoreline that has never happened before. So two scorelines this week uh, where scorelines uh, have happened in their first uh, instance. But so I'm not quite sure what it is about the Coliseum, Sean. Um, obviously, we saw the big game there last year with the, with the Chiefs and the Rams. Obviously, everyone was kind of expecting that one. But uh, I'm not quite sure anyone would have had this uh, this down on the, on the score sheet. Certainly not. Uh, this was the kind of game that it always threatened to be high scoring. I think there was a, a chance that this could have been a bit of a shootout, but I think you probably just naturally expect the quarterback to be throwing the picks. He's the one in the Tampa Bay uniform. Yeah. Um, but it was unfortunately for the Rams' perspective, it was Jared Goff Jesus. early doors, and, and the Rams essentially got into a hole early. Um, then pretty much abandoned the run for the rest of the day, which, you know, no problem with that because ultimately they ended up putting 40-odd points on the scoreboard. Yeah. Um, but it was such a strange game. Um, Winston made it very exciting late on, um, you know, because then he did throw his customary pick, which ended up being taken back to the house, and he got back to within one score. Yeah. Um, but in a bit of a revenge game, and I've got to say, one of the highlights of the weekend for me was just Indomitian Sue's celebration in the end zone. Cracking <laughs> celebration. I love a big man touchdown. You can't beat a big man rumbling from 35 yards out. He picked that ball up and he was going to make sure that those fans in the Coliseum knew all about it. Um, so cracking celebration from Sue. And a huge, huge win for the Bucks. And to be fair, they're one of these teams that, you know, let's, uh, let's face it, we talked about it last week. They're a Matt Gay field goal, which he probably should have made away from being a three and one team at the moment. Mm. Now, so very quietly, you know, they've got a very good defense. I say a very good defense. They gave up a lot of points this weekend and a, and a lot of yardage, but I think, you know, everyone's been impressed by what they've seen out of the books defense so far. Todd Bowles seems to be much more a very good defensive coordinator than he ever was a head coaching candidate. Um, you know, and he, he's obviously doing a, a stellar job there. Chris Godwin, I thought, was excellent in this game. You know, he had a, 
had a bit of a monster of the game. He was quite quiet the week before. I think he was battling a bit of an injury the previous week. And, and Mike Evans took over this week. It was more the Chris Godwin show. Um, so he was excellent. And it, it was just a really great offensive game of football. Um, you know, two sides going at it back and forth. Cooper Cup was, was again, brilliant, in my opinion, for the Rams. Um, you know, they seem to, you know, have that connection every week. I, I mentioned that in an in a article that I wrote last week about how good that connection is. Um, so it was a real joy to watch in the light window. Um, probably the polar opposite to the other games that were in the light window. Yeah. Most of the other light window games, which will come on, were more defensive battles. But this one was just offensive explosions. Um that many plays ran. I think, you know, this this was the latest game to finish last night. You know, I say last night, it was early hours of this morning. I was glued watching it, as I'm sure many people were. Um, so, like you say, probably something about that stadium or something just about the way that, you know, Sean McVeigh approaches the game that, that leads to high-scoring battles like this. But, uh, you know, a real, real good watch um, for early hours of a, a Monday morning. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned there about about the defense. That front seven for for Tampa Bay is uh, is pretty decent. That's even without Devin White there, uh, number five number five overall pick uh, in this year's in this year's draft as well. But Jared Goff, I mean, as as five hundred yard passing performances go, that's got to be up there with one of the worst performances ever. He he looked absolutely awful. Get any pressure in his face, or you know, get him uncomfortable, he'll just throw it up in the air and just do some silly things. He just does. He would be an absolutely awful quarterback on any other team, and he'd probably even be benched by this point. To be quite honest um Lawrence I don't know, obviously don't know what, your, what your thoughts are yet um but yeah I've never been, I've never been a big fan of, of Jared Goff but uh, as, as 500 yard performances go geez oh um yeah not great I think they were 21 21 nothing down in the hole weren't they early on and they were chasing so he's always gonna get uh, padded the stats but Lawrence what, what did you make of it yeah a couple of observations I think with um with Jared Goff um Right at the end of the game, if he would have if he would have connected on a on a hail mary instead of just handing the ball off to Malcolm Brown, he could have broke the NFL single passing game record, mm. which is ridiculous. Yeah, considering considering they you know they got um, they conceded the the amount of points to their opponent who broke their own franchise record for for points, points in a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean that. It, I, I love a, I love a, an NFL record, and I, was, I, I kind of got a little bit excited. Um, you know, there was a, there was a small, you know, there was there was that possibility that yeah. that they that he could have broken that record. Mm. Um, I also liked the um, the whole kind of Marcus Peters saga. Um, he was the one that got completely turned inside out by Mike Evans for mm. that. 67 yard touchdown yeah um and then you're thinking you know there's there's no way this is going to be a comeback and then he gets that pick gets six pick. Mm. um and it, out of all the people to get the pick six he gets it and that that brought them within five and suddenly you're thinking oh my god this is actually there's there's less than a touchdown between the two teams yeah you know this this could happen mm. i wanted that i wanted, um, I wanted so, 100 points that's what i wanted yeah, I mean this. That was what was it? The it was the Rams Chiefs game last season that was that and that insane game, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's you know it's the Rams again in these in these absolute blockbuster, you know Madden type games. Mm. These aren't normal games. These are these are Madden games with real people. Yeah. Um, just just a little bit on the on the two running games. Um, I think. Ronald Jones um, for the Buccaneers again is is really he's he's pushing hard to take that that lead back um, job from Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber looks um, pedestrian this week. He he got a touchdown, but but Ronald Jones I think he's really trying his best to mm. to get that starting gig. Yeah, um, and then obviously looking back at, um, at Todd Gurley. Five carries for 16 yards. Oh my goodness! Mm. The only thing, that the, the only redeeming feature for all the all the kind of owners of him was that he he got those two scores. But um, you know this 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 is not um, this is not the Todd Gurley from last year or or a couple of seasons ago. This is a this is someone who I think is still still in a bit of recovery. Yes, they had to um, go, that to abandon the run game, but. Gurley just wasn't wasn't making a, a, a good impression. 
No, it's, it's an interesting one to say. When you're 21 in the hole, you're uh, you're never going to really run the ball. But yeah, I, I see what you mean. Um, you've obviously got in the end zone a couple of times. Yeah, it's, it, I would say. I, I think you can probably throw the game out the window a little bit in terms of um, you know offensive plays because you know when, once you're that far down, everything just goes out the window. You I mean you, you rip half the playbook out because they're all they're all run plays and uh, you can't even fake play action, can you? Um, so yeah, bit of a, just a bit of a strange one. But yeah, but Tampa Bay obviously, like you say, Sean, uh, could be quite easily three and one if uh, field goal had uh, slipped to just a bit left of the upright. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see. Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater's in in for the Saints. We'll come on to them shortly. But uh, yeah, NFC South uh, not overly convincing. So uh, they're the kind of team Tampa Bay that could maybe get on a bit of a streak and and, and keep on going. Uh, but we'll see if they can do that uh, a bit later on in the week when we preview week five. Let's uh, talking of obviously you were saying there you you wanted uh, some records, Lawrence. Uh, obviously, there's a not quite a re- not another record uh, in the, the Denver Broncos Jacksonville game. Leonard Fournette nearly breaking the record for most rushing yards uh, in a game, uh, two hundred twenty-five yards uh, rushing for Leonard Fournette for the Jaguars in this one. It's actually the first time they've had a hundred yards rusher. Uh, since December 2017, which was Leonard Fournette as well. And here's one for you. There's only been four four running backs or four, four instances where a running back has rushed for over 200 yards. Uh, two, two of them belong to Leonard Fournette, the other two being uh, Isaiah Crowell and uh, Todd Gurley. And three of those four 200 rushing yard games have all come against Denver Broncos. So I'm um, not quite sure how that's kind of happened or a bit of a, a, bit of a funky stat for you there. Um, but yeah, interesting. Uh, but yeah, actually a really, really good game this one uh, towards the end. Gardner Minshew, Minshew Mania continues. We won't spend too much on this one uh, in terms of time. So um, I did enjoy it. Gardner Minshew had a, a t- over a 10-minute drive there for the Jags uh, on one of their scoring scoring drives in the second half as well. So um, that's, uh, I don't care what anyone says, a 10-minute drive in the NFL is, uh, is a legit thing at quarterback. And a lot of praise coming from the commentators about the prep he puts in. He's never had, he's never had a, a, a full start, or, sorry, not a full start. He's never had a delay of game called against him as, as a as a professional so um i think that actually even stretches back to college as well so uh, another funky stat for you as well that i picked up from the commentary um just a 30 seconds or so on this game then fellas sean come to you first yeah enjoyable game to watch i think you know much more of a defensive battle i think this this for me is the perfect formula for the jaguars like you say control the ball must be really frustrating because leonard fournette displayed on sunday what he is capable of but he just doesn't show it often enough he's often injured and and obviously, you know, if they could really channel the offense through a little bit similar to what I said about Chubb with the Browns, it, you know, it all starts with with you know how much they can get out of Leonard Fournette in that run game. Just one thing, just as a bit of a shout out, you know, give him a bit of love. Josh Lambeau mm. um, obviously kicked the game winner. He has been brilliant for the Jaguars since he got there. Um, you know, forty four of forty seven field goals, forty five of forty eight extra points, and he's been a perfect nine of nine when they played in the postseason. He has been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about the Chargers kicking woes and they've obviously missed the first share <laughs> of kicks over the last couple of years. Yeah. This is one that they let get away because, yeah. you know, under pressure, you know, in a stadium that, you know, generally kickers do well in, in terms of the altitude, they, yeah. they generally can obviously kick it further. Yeah. But he, he kicked that game winner into what was a pretty swirling wind and it was straight through the middle. A great kick. And uh, like I say, I mean, to be fair to the Jags, if you'd have offered them, 2-2 in a tie of first place when Nick Falls went down on that first series of the season. They would have absolutely snapped your hands off. So, fair play to Minshew and the rest of the guys. It's going to be a competitive AFC South, as it always is. Mm. Um, and obviously, they'll be over in London for their home game in the non-too-distant future. So, <laughs> uh, you know, good luck to all the Jags fans because it looks like it's going to be a, t- a tight season down in the South. Mm, absolutely. Lawrence, anything to add? Yeah, I think, you know... Minshew mania is, um, is continuing to grow momentum, um, moustache momentum. Um, seven touchdowns, one interception um, in in his um, in his game so far. I mean that that's pretty impressive for a guy who probably didn't think he was gonna gonna get a lot of snaps um, in the you know in the season. So I'm 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 still surprised by by how good he is, and I think that. The, the kind of persona around him is is just growing, and the whole the whole moustache and the headband, kind of you know, it's a, it's a little bit kind of, sort of Jim McMahon esque, um, the old Bears quarterback who kind of had a bit of a you know a bit of a cult hero. So I, I just think it's it's just, it's it becomes a bit more of an adventure 
um, with Minshew, and I think there's there's I think he's gonna um, get a lot more fans when he when he comes over to London as well. I think we're gonna see a lot of people um, with their moustaches mm. um, in Wembley. Yeah. Um, yeah, lots and lots. So mm. I'm I'm looking forward to that. As, yeah, I mean as you say, Leonard Fournette, big big game. I think that that. Um, 81 yard run that he had um, just rumbling I mean it's just it's frightening isn't it yeah. it's like dropping a, a, a bowling ball out of an aeroplane you just want to get out of the way yeah absolutely um, if, I, if I see him running towards me I'm, I'm starting to pee down my leg so <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, there we go. Uh, a couple of other games in the in the late slate. Uh, Seattle will take care of business in Arizona, twenty seven to ten there, uh, and Minnesota Chicago. We won't really spend any time on those because it wasn't. It were, well, they weren't fun games to watch. Defenses on top. Uh, obviously, just a note there about Mitch Trubisky already out for week five uh, again in London. So you anyone anyone going to the Bears game will be seeing a lot of Chase Daniel. Um, I don't know whether that's worth value for money. Who knows? But talking of value for money, um, bit of a defensive uh, slugfest over in the Super. Dome in New Orleans for Sunday Night Football. Again, I stayed up for this one. Uh, still haven't really decided on a word. But yeah, it was, it was actually a really enjoyable game. I don't know if that's just because I'm a, I'm a Dallas fan, but uh, yeah, it, it kind of reverted to 2018 Dallas Cowboys in terms of play calling. 70%, I think, of their first half half plays were, were run games. Um, too conservative. And you, you can see that... The first, the first drive or the second drive of it coming out of the second half was was clockwork was absolutely beautiful uh, and that's what got us to the the touchdown for for Zeke there obviously bowling his way uh, into the end zone but um, yeah yeah we should should have really won that game should have made more of the opportunities and I, I just think that that's just the difference between a teams that get deep in the postseason and teams that don't I just think you know these kind of games national spotlight expected to to put up a big performance um kind of didn't want to to embrace the spotlight and kind of take it by the scruff of the neck and and, and go a um, couple of interesting play calls on the on this one was uh, the first one actually was a quite strange one. Four seconds left in the first half, uh, somehow Teddy Bridgewater managed to just throw a pass that um, got rid of only two seconds on the play clock, and uh, Will Lutz come out and, and kick the field goal. So that was quite strange. I'm not quite ever sure I've seen apart from a spike. Um, a play lasting less than than three seconds, so uh, that was quite interesting. But it was fair. Obviously, they went back in in the in the TV studios and they show they showed um, that it was actually only two seconds. So there was that. Uh, and then obviously at the end, I just want, just want to point out because it might it, everyone's going to look at the the hail mary by Dak Prescott and look at you know how pathetic it was. Um, but if you go back and watch that play. Sean Payton calls, or whoever called the play, called a slot blitz off the corner to bring four people. Generally, uh, Hail Mary, as you see, three people three people rush in and everyone just back, you know, back towards the end zone to back the ball down. But if you watch where the, the slot corner lines up, you have three wide receivers out to the right. Um, and obviously ball snapped. There's, there's a gap between the right guard and the right tackle where Dak Prescott's supposed to you know wait for a couple of seconds for pressure to get through and then step up into the pocket and absolutely launch it. But that, that corner that comes off um, and, and blitz as well you know, is was, was literally in Dak's face within two and a half, sec- three seconds. So that is why he's ha- A, had to throw early. B, it makes it look like an awful throw because he's thrown it up in the air and he's been, you know, kind of mushed as he's as he's thrown it as well. And then again, that's why the receivers haven't even turned round uh, as as the ball reaches as well. So I, I thought it was just a really shrewd play call there um, by by Sean Payton or who you know, defensive coordinator, whoever whoever called that as well. Because the, the play before as well, the thirty odd yarder to, to to Randall Cobb was an absolute beauty of a ball. Um, again, and that will go you know, overlooked under you know, not seen at all. But that was an absolute dime. Um, threading the needle through two, three defenders uh, straight into slide Randall Cobb to, to even have that opportunity as well on third and 20. So um, again, not great by Dallas in terms of offense. It, was, it, was, it wasn't great on both sides of the ball on offense, to be quite honest. Another bad game from Bridgewater, in my opinion. Um, he's just not, again, not allowed to do much. Uh, whether or not whether or not he wants to, um, but yeah, very very limited on offense on both sides of the ball. Um, couple of couple of last points before we round off. Jason Garrett corner. Lawrence, what did you make of the, the Dallas game? Any any pointers? Yeah, I mean, it's this I think it's the first win for um, probably about twenty years for the Saints without scoring a touchdown. Yeah, I've, um, I, wrote, I wrote that down and I thought to myself, there's not actually many teams that win games by not scoring touchdowns. So I wasn't, I wasn't actually sure if I was impressed by the stat or not. <laughs> no, I, I remember. I've, I've remembered in the past some hideous six-three games mm. um, that, that that kind of uh, have 
bored into my memory. I think um, Teddy Dinkwater um, did did what his coach asked him to do. Yeah. Um, 23 of 30, not a single pass over 20 yards. I think um, I think this was a game where somebody like Taysom Hill could have um, had a bit bigger impact. Um, as it was, only had two rushes for 16 yards, one, but one of them was a negative, one of them was for 18 yards. So really, only one one decent play in the entire game. He could have, I think he could have had more of an opportunity to do something. Um, Zeke and Witten both lost fumbles. Um, Zeke was completely bottled up. Um, want to pay a little bit of credit to second-year defensive end Marcus Davenport. Three quarterback hits. Um, we had Devin Smith, who was kind of on the cusp of being somebody um, with some value, no catches. And, and I think the, the biggest sort of kind of single matchup uh, of the game was um, the, the Saints cornerback, Marshawn Lattimore, on, on Amari Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. And he just he just took him out of the game, yeah. and that was that that was kind of that was that was all she wrote really because yeah. that 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 was the single biggest matchup. Unfortunately, with um, Michael Gallup out, yeah. the the kind of the rest of the Cowboys receiving core just just wasn't up to yeah wasn't up to Pat this week. Yeah, and no, Cobb Cobb did drop a few uh, so that he should he should caught usually does catch when he was in uh, was in Green Bay. But yeah, you know you're right. D- definitely missed Michael Gallup in this game. And uh, I say unchar- uncharacteristic fumble there by Jason Witten as well. And again, the, the Zeke one was an interesting one. Um, I thought that was a that was a, a bull crap uh, call personally. His elbow was down, but um, yeah, it's all done now. I can't do anything about it. Uh, Sean, last last word for me before we get to Jason Garrett corner. Yeah, I, I just think for me, you know, there's a couple of examples where we've talked tonight and it's a very pass-happy league, we get that. But you look at these teams that have got really good running backs and, and so much of the offence goes through these backs. It opens up everything else. We talked about the Browns and the positivity of a great game from Nick Chubb. We didn't talk about it much, but you know, the Bears bottled up Dalvin Cook. The Saints here have bottled up Ezekiel Elliott. And all these Premier teams you know, that we talk about, generally they, they have got a star... Running, but whether it's a star running back or just a running back that produces, because you know we talked about Wayne Gorman earlier, it certainly wouldn't be on anybody's star list. But if you can get some good production out of that running back position, in general terms, it just opens up the rest of the playbook. Mm-hmm. I know you've obviously been huge on Kellen Moore um, since he started. You know, mm-hmm. and I know you're not going to throw the towel in after one poor showing, but generally speaking, it, it just goes to show if you can get Zeke's average down from four or five yards a carry down to what it was in this game of two yards a carry, all of a sudden those, you know, third and threes, third and fours become third and sevens, third and eights, third and nines. And it's a much, much different game. So, mm. you know, I, I'm a huge fan of running backs. So it, it frustrates me that running backs don't get paid and they don't get the respect that they deserve. Mm. The problem that you have is, you know, Melvin Gordon holds out and Austin Eckler comes in and looks superb. Saquon Barkley goes down injured and Wayne Gorman comes in and does a good job. You know, the problem is you, you can get production from, you know, anybody it seems and that and that is unfortunate, but there are certainly some stars in the position. Yeah. Zeke, in my opinion, is the best back in the league. You know, he's had a poor night, but you know, that translates to a Dallas loss. And I think, you know, these offenses they need to find a way when the running game isn't working. I know you said there they missed Michael Gallup. Yeah, but in in general terms, they need to find a way of getting it done when the running game doesn't work. So mm. for me, that's a bit of a takeaway from this yeah. week. You know, the running games are really important to fire the rest of the offense, whatever team we're talking about. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I'm sure Kellen Killamore will uh, will learn a lot from that game as well. I say there's a couple of the, the plays. Some of the plays were there if the if the catches could be made. Blake Jarwin had a, a couple of nice catches down the field. Uh, say Randall Cobb should have had some as well. But uh, essentially, should should really be beating a, a New Orleans Saints team with Teddy Wood Bridgewater at quarterback. But the uh, defensive lines there quite a lot of penalties in this game as well, like the uh, the Giants game as well. They were flag fests, but they were they were drive killers in this in the Saints game, uh, especially for the Saints as well. They were they got behind the eight ball uh, and quite a lot of their drives as well. So. Um, yeah, more clapping from Jason Garrett. Talking of Jason Garrett, let's round this off then, boys, uh, with Jason Garrett corner. All you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. All you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. Jerry plays you like a puppet. You really are a muppet. It's fourth and one, don't do it. Just clap your hands. 
uh, not really, not really too much in the way of of bad uh, bad decisions. I don't know if you what you boys have got. Obviously, we haven't, don't we don't uh, confer prior to it. But uh, the two the two I found, obviously another John Harbour one for us, uh, two points go, going for two points at twenty four and sixteen. Uh, again, just absolutely just ludicrous. Why why are you going for two at 20, 24, 16? Just kick the extra point. Um, really don't understand that one. Um, but we say we talked about that one last week. I'll just cut and I'll I'll cut and uh, cut and paste that that narrative from last week's into this week's podcast. So um, the only other one, I, I, I couldn't get the exact details of it, but Mike Vrabel going for it on fourth down went up 14. I think they were in field goal range. I'm not quite sure what they were trying to do there. I need to go back and uh, have a proper look at it, but that was uh, quite an interesting call because I remember Scott Hansen getting a bit funny about it as well, so it must have been that interesting. Are they saying that he, how ridiculous was Scott Hansen when uh, Patrick Mahomes looked behind him to look at the referee whilst running forward? I mean, it's not a hard thing to do. I can do that. I can look at someone behind me running forward but uh yeah that's my rant over i don't know if you boys have lawrence you got any any contenders for, for jason garrett corner this week not 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 a you know very loud clapping sound but maybe a maybe a smaller clapping sound <laughs> i think this was this was when um vic fangio and the the broncos um they they could have taken more time off the clock um, when um, Flacco hit Cortland Sutton for the um, for the lead for the twenty four twenty three lead, um, there was one thirty two left on the clock. Um, you, you look at any any quarterback who's kind of on form and is on fire, and you know when you've got that moustache behind you, you know you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> and I think leaving leaving one minute thirty two on the clock was was enough time. It was enough time to to move the ball up the field. Yeah. Um, and and as it was, they um, the Jaguars managed eight plays in that one minute thirty two. Mm. So you know you don't think that's even going to be possible. Eight plays in in ninety seconds, but they they did it. And and obviously, um, as Sean said, Josh Lambeau came up with the with the goods at the end. Mm. So I think you know there, there's. It's clock management, so not necessarily a, a bad individual call, but yeah. it's you know when when you're when you kind of when that momentum you, you've managed to turn the tide. I mean, the, the Jaguars before that had scored on four four consecutive times. They got um, two field goals and two touchdowns, and it, it completely flipped the game. And then the Broncos kind of right at the end, you're thinking, oh, they, they've they've done it. But they they kind of just got they got a bit trigger happy and they could have they could have taken that down to to thirty seconds and then it would have been a hell of a lot harder to mm. to move sixty yards up the field. Mm. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, certainly agree there. Um, it's, it's funny how one how just like even a minute is is more than ample ample time for some QBs in this league. Sean, last word with you. Yeah, so I think I think sometimes. People will find themselves in Jason Garrett corner because they deserve to be there. Sometimes they're just a victim of circumstances. So, good candidate for me this week is Mike Zimmer of the Vikings. So, Bears got a fourth down to about a 51-52 yard field goal for Eddie Pinheiro, who's basically on one leg because apparently he's got a problem with his plant leg. The Bears are sort of on and on whether to take it. Pinheiro oh, runs yes. on the field, I think, at the same time as the punter. Yeah, I remember this one, yeah. Cut, cut a long story short, Mike Zimmer calls a timeout. So that was very nice of him. Gave the Bears a chance to think about it. And lo and behold, the Bears go and pick up the fourth down. So <laughs> it just about summed it up, really. You know, it, it almost feels harsh to put him into the corner, to be fair. Um, but obviously, like I say, giving the Bears that chance to sort of think about it and obviously call a fourth down play, which ultimately they converted. Um, you know, like I say, sometimes you're there on merit, sometimes it's just unfortunate. He was probably more unfortunate than anything, but uh, it seemed there was a lot of confusion and the Vikings calling the timeout there just gave the Bears a chance to compose themselves and ultimately they uh, they obviously benefited from it. So, mm. Mike Zimmer for me this week, not too many howlers that no. uh, that sort of spring out um, from other games. No. Um I do question, and Lawrence picked up on it when we talked about the games, that you kind of question the Jay Gruden decision to throw Dwayne Haskins into the walls, to be honest, because he clearly wasn't ready. Um, yeah, but obviously that's not an individual decision, if you like, in terms of uh, for Jason Garrett corner. Um, so Mike Zimmer for me probably is the candidate this week. Yeah, no, I think I think that I think that's fair. So yeah, Mike Tomlin's yet to go on Monday Night Football, so maybe uh, 
Save the best till last, maybe on Monday Night Football, but we shall see. Uh, but since though, fellas, we've got five minutes to get out of here, according to my conference call. We'll do just that. Really appreciate you coming on, fellas, and sharing your knowledge, sharing your wisdom with us, uh, and all of this is out there as well. Any uh, any guys any guys listening out there, or in girls as well, obviously. Um, let us know your thoughts. Let us know your thoughts of the games. You know, Jason Garrett corners, any contenders that we've missed, any shockers that we've missed. Uh, get in touch with us at Full Ten Yards. You can get in contact with us at, uh, at on Twitter individually at, at Tim underscore Monk. F10 wife for myself at NFL fan in England for Lawrence and at Sean underscore F10 wife for Sean obviously because that would be silly if it was Lawrence wouldn't it um, yes uh, you say Monday podcast obviously today so don't forget to check out tomorrow Tuesday is our usual slot for the full 10 takeaways written by you two lovely gentlemen so I appreciate it and I'm already looking forward to to reading what's going to be on there we'll post that out and uh, obviously Tuesdays of college podcast as well so Lee and the boys get together discuss all things college to so look out for that as well and also just a, a heads up the re, uh, we're going to have some revamped fantasy content coming your way as well a, a, a bit of fresh blood coming into the team um, so look out for those that stuff as well as well as our Instagram content that's getting a bit of a fresh revamp um, so hopefully it'll be go and give that a follow as well if you're not doing so already uh, we'll be back a bit later on in the week to look at week 5 preview including obviously the first Tottenham game the first international series game uh, Tottenham Hotspur uh, Chicago Bears and the Oakland Raiders um, and then obviously it's a bit a special interview as well with our friend uh, Jacob who's currently a quarter way through his world record attempt at visiting every NFL stadium uh, as quick as possible in a season so yeah, g- keep your eyes peeled for that one um, but that's going to do it for today's podcast don't forget to subscribe rate and review and if you like leave us a, rev- uh, leave us a, a review on iTunes as well that would be great that would help us out a lot but thank you all so much for listening everyone I'll be back in a couple of days but in the meantime oh I'm going to take a breath before I say the next sentence <laughs> it's a goodbye from Sean cheers guys catch you later it's goodbye from Lawrence watch out I'll be in my Art Monk shirt on Sunday so look out for me 81 take go. care everybody Art Monk I need to get I need Monk on the back of mine uh, yes it's goodbye from me as well in the great words of Kevin Cadle it's bye bye for now bye bye for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com